ويب بودكاست Hello everyone, you're listening Airwebot Cafe and in this uh, new uh, audio you will listen to me, Alexey Vasilyev, and my new guest. Hello. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, th- th- this was my cue, sorry about this, and your new guest, Bujidar Batsov. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> uh, so, hello, Bujidar. Uh, so, First of all, who are you? Can you uh, say some, several words about you? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So um, I'm from Bulgaria. I'm a software engineer, amongst other things. Uh, I um, I have been uh, working on uh, many open source projects uh, in the past fifteen uh, years. Uh, I uh, I became very very fascinated with um, free software with um, open source uh, when i was in the first year of the university and i watched in my dormitory with some friends uh, the movie revolution os uh, which was about the creation of the free software foundation uh, of uh, linux and other prominent pieces of uh, a free software And I have been something like an OSS um, aficionado ever since. Uh, mm-hmm. So hmm, I um, I have been uh, working on um, some open source projects in several main directions. Uh, number one, Emacs. Uh, I am a, I'm a committer of the. Um, Emacs project, even though I have to admit that recently I haven't altered uh, anything uh, between life, work and uh, all of the other projects. Uh, I ran out of time for my most favorite project, uh, but uh, it is uh, how it is. So um, I used to work a little bit on Emacs. Um, I wrote uh, many extensions uh, mm-hmm. for Emacs. Uh, most prominently uh, projectile i guess uh, uh, this is my claim to fame in, in a way and uh, i did create one of the first um, prepackaged um, configuration sets for emacs uh, called emacs preload uh, almost a decade ago um so uh, i uh, <laughs> I, i still love emacs and uh, i still um, I still work on it from time to time, at least on the extensions, as I said, not so much on uh, mm-hmm. Emacs itself. Uh, uh, on my day, day job, uh, I am um, a Ruby engineer, more or less, technically speaking. I used to be a Ruby engineer, and I became an evil manager as, uh, as year pro- years progressed. So uh, I'm not doing uh, as much programming as I used to do on the job. But I'm still very connected to Ruby, as, uh, as our company has a huge, uh, uh, huge Ruby code base, uh, and uh, it is hard for me to flee. Um, so uh, on um, on the Ruby front, uh, originally I had started. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. Uh, by the way, so first question: Do you still use Emacs? Uh, like, did you try maybe some another editors like VS Code or maybe something else? No, no, uh, I'm still using uh, Emacs. Uh, I'm using it uh, every day. Mm-hmm. It is uh, opened uh, um, <laughs> just like always. Uh, I used to be editing a few things uh, right before our call. I haven't mm-hmm. used another editor uh, since. Hmm. What was it? Uh, maybe I used another editor for the last time in 2004, oh. 2005. Okay. <laughs> I am a very, very loyal uh, Emacs user. And uh, frankly speaking, uh, you know, I haven't had a reason to want to explore another editor because I have been very satisfied uh, with... Uh, with the overall uh, Emacs programming experience. And obviously Emacs goes uh, way beyond programming uh, as you can use it for uh, for pretty much uh, everything. Uh, from time to time, I have been curious uh, to play with some other editor, 
but knowing how um, short-lived uh, most of them turn out to be, I, I think a significant investment in a piece of software that might not be around in uh, five years is probably not uh, not worth my trouble. Mm-hmm. Before using Vimax, I used to be using Vim. Uh, this is another of the immortal editors uh, that I think um, are uh, well worth uh, learning and investing time into. And uh, who knows, maybe maybe something like uh, Visual Studio Code is, uh, is going to surprise me and stay with us uh, for a long period of time. But uh, I've witnessed the rise and fall of so many editors, uh, TextMate, Used to be very popular. Now it's uh, it's almost dead. Uh, uh, what was this uh, light something? Um, Sublime? No, no, no. Uh, th- th- there was some editor that was quickly a lot of hype. It was something with light in its name, but uh, mm-hmm. I I don't I don't remember it. But Sublime, Sublime is another great example. Used to be super popular. Not particular popular, not particularly popular today. Mm-hmm. Komodo used to be very popular. I don't know how old you are, but 20 years ago, Komodo was uh, very popular with uh, web developers. If you are doing uh, Perl or Python, a little bit of HTML and CSS, it was a very popular solution. Today, most people do not even remember uh, uh, Komodo. Atom started off strongly, but uh, it seems to me that uh, Visual Studio Code uh, kind of killed uh, most of the modern editors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it has gained some uh, some immense traction. But but my point is that most editors um, are uh, a little bit transient in their life cycle and. Uh, one day they're here, the other day they, they're not. Uh, and uh, I like to be investing in the long run. Okay. So that's forever. <laughs> yeah, so logically, it's like with JavaScript frameworks, like each day it became new one, like came new one and you're thinking, okay, should I invest to learn this new one? Or maybe it will die in several months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, so let's go back a little in the past and uh, how did you become a software developer like uh, it's your choice or maybe it's some like situation happens how exactly this happened to you well i, I guess it was uh, <laughs> mostly my choice uh, i uh, i didn't originally see myself as a software engineer mm-hmm. i uh, i used to study programming in high school but um, i didn't really like it the only reason why i enrolled in programming was to convince my parents to buy me a computer uh, because in the 90s they were ridiculously expensive and uh, they wouldn't get it otherwise. <laughs> so uh, they got me a computer and all I wanted to do with it was play video games. Um, yeah, I, uh, I dreamt of becoming a pro gamer, <laughs> which, uh, which wasn't very easy back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for uh, for quite a while, I was mostly playing games, and um, as most gamers, I developed an obsession with uh, with hardware because uh, everybody wants to build uh, uh, a powerful gaming rig, uh, achieve the optimal frame rate, um, and so on. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was I was digging um, pretty deep uh, in. Uh, in hardware, I really wanted to understand how uh, uh, processors were working, how GPUs were working, how uh, memory was working, uh, and and so on. And gradually, uh, I developed um, some uh, some related interest um, in programming uh, um, alongside this. But uh, I definitely wasn't certain. Uh, when I made it to 18 and the university that uh, I I wanted to pursue a career in IT. And also keep in mind that uh, back then IT wasn't uh, nearly as glorious uh, Mm -hmm. as uh, as today. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, On on my first job, my salary was something like a hundred dollars per month. Uh, So (laughs) this wasn't a recipe to 
to have a, a, a good life. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in, before the university, I thought uh, long it hurt. Uh, what did I want to do? And uh, because I didn't know uh, any better, one night I went out with my friends. So we had a few beers and uh, I tossed a coin. Heads, uh, I go to study programming some, somewhere. Uh, tails, um, I, uh, I go to study finance somewhere because oh. finance my other uh, big passion and it uh, it still is mm-hmm. so uh, i guess you know uh, how the <laughs> coin uh, led it uh, and what happened from there how, how would you call this uh, orel i reshka yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. so like it was chance 50-50 you will become yeah, developer yeah, or maybe not <laughs> exactly exactly okay um, I, uh, I went to study in the Technical University of Sofia, computer uh, science, and uh, and the, the, the rest is history, I guess. Okay, interesting. Okay, uh, but interesting, for example, you already said, you know, like, you know about Emacs uh, and contribute to it, also contribute to uh, Clojure, as I understand, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, how exactly you achieve to know these languages, because Uh, many who came into web, mostly from PHP language, or maybe starting from JavaScript right now, but how did you reach exactly these languages? It's a, it's a long story. I, um, I started my uh, professional career as a systems programmer. I was, um, I was writing uh, Linux kernel drivers for embedded devices. Oh. I used to work in this small company that was uh, developing its own hardware and uh, that they, uh, they, they were running uh, Linux on it and we were also developing uh, our own drivers. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- one can say that uh, I was dropped uh, immediately in the deep end of the pond because I, uh, I had only theoretical uh, experience at uh, the time. Sure, I had... Uh, I had had uh, many programming courses in high school and in the university. I had read some books, uh, worked on some toy projects, but I haven't done anything real and bam, a Linux kernel uh, development. Uh, so uh, I, um, in the same company, I was also doing some software for uh, Texas Instrument uh, uh, digital signal, uh, Texas Instruments digital signal processors, uh, We were doing some image processing uh, and stuff like this. It was a very fascinating uh, start uh, of, uh, of my career. So, so it was seen. From beginning, mm-hmm. you was like, uh, right now, these uh, persons called IOT developers. Like you building all this hardware stuff with, on the small chips or whatever. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, we, definitely it wasn't code like this uh, back then. And um, mm-hmm. the devices that we were building, <laughs> um, uh, I guess I guess uh, you can say that uh, they would fit. For instance, I was working on a project for an industrial welding machine, mm-hmm. um, something like a robot arm. Uh, it has a couple of uh, cameras uh, that are taking uh, pictures uh, and uh, in in our uh, in our device uh, we had to c- construct a 3d three-dimensional image uh, of the from the two 2d cameras mm-hmm. so the robot can position properly its arm and weld uh, the, the right thingy we were doing some software for um, um, post terminals uh, Back when they were uh, something uh, novel, we were doing uh, intercoms uh, for planes and for uh, um, for other areas of uh, business that needed intercoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't exactly IoT, but I guess it was a precursor of IoT in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay, and how exactly from this background you moved to i don't know cl- what was first closure or ruby uh, for you? Uh, it's, uh, the, the, the story continues uh, after i spent some time in this company 
I went to work uh, on another company that had a product similar to what uh, Expedia are doing, uh, reservation engine for uh, for flights uh, and uh, for, for hotels, for renting cars. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, this company had um, background, uh, a backend in C++ oh. and a frontend in a proprietary language that the company had uh, developed. Uh, I had joined the backend team, but at some point uh, the company needed to um, to replace its proprietary front-end. And by front-end, I mean a second layer of backend by modern uh, uh, definitions of programming, uh, because back then uh, all of the websites uh, were uh, server-side uh, generated. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had the deep backend that was communicating with uh, the third-party reservation systems, and this was feeding data to the web frontend that was uh, rendering uh, rendering the results. Uh, so at some point, um, um, they decided that we were switching from the proprietary language to PHP, oh. and they needed all of the developers in the company to be involved in this, uh, no matter how much uh, one might have uh, hated PHP. And uh, for six months, uh, I was involved uh, with this project. When I was uh, when I was working uh, on the front end, I I felt that this was uh, uh, really refreshing uh, because it was very different from what I was used to with uh, the systems programming. Uh, with the deep backend here, I could write a little bit of code and instantly see the results of my work. Uh, you know, I changed the layout of some page or uh, or something like this. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely, PHP wasn't my uh, favorite programming language uh, back then, but uh, I, I did enjoy programming uh, on the web, and uh, I had a great team back there. Back then, uh, this is where I became uh, obsessed with Emacs because uh, my boss at the time was some uh, old-time guru with uh, infinite experience, and he was writing the craziest Emacs and Common Lisp. So he gave me some books, uh, he gave me some uh, pointers, and made me an uh, Emacs addict for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this company, I was also doing Java for a while. <laughs> and uh, after this, I was an enterprise Java developer for five years, writing uh, EJB stuff, uh, some Spring stuff. At some point, I was writing desktop applications uh, with Swing, uh, desktop applications with uh, the Eclipse uh, Rich Client Platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing more and more things, uh, and uh, I believe uh, it was around that time um, when I when I finally came across uh, Ruby. I don't remember the exact year. I just remember it was a long time ago. Actually, I can figure out uh, easily the exact year because um, I remember how how I started to play with Ruby for the first time. Okay, so it must have been 2006. Okay, okay. Uh, I, was, uh, I was at Christmas vacation um, at home, and I was listening to the radio. Uh, there was this popular song in 2006 named Ruby mm-hmm. by the Kaiser Chiefs, and uh, I really loved this song. So I was listening to this song. I was kind of bored, and I remembered, hmm, there was some uh, programming language uh, named Ruby, and I had read, uh, read some hype about this uh, brand new uh, framework, uh, Ruby on Rails, uh, that uh, is supposed to be amazing. So I started looking for some uh, resources online, and uh, just, um, just a few months uh, later, I was uh, still in the university back then, I uh, I wrote my first project uh, at the university in Ruby, and I still remember how shocked my teaching assistant was 
because everybody uh, brought projects that were uh, using KSP or Java mm -hmm. or HP. And I had a Ruby project, like, is this a real programming language? <laughs> what, what is this? Uh, so, um, yeah, that, that, that's, how, uh, that's how I made it to Ruby. And uh, yeah. closure is another uh, long story. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure we have so much time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, let's uh, let's at least finish on Ruby. So yeah, but it, uh, in, it was interesting story about how you reached Ruby about the song. Uh, but uh, okay, so you start working with Ruby and how you reached the idea making like one of your also famous open source project Rubocop. Like in one mm -hmm. day you sit and like, I need a Ruby linter, good Ruby linter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they definitely didn't happen uh, like this. Uh, mm -hmm. So another fun story. I told you I was working in uh, in this Java company as an enterprise Java developer, mm -hmm. which is not the most exciting job in the world. I was secretly dreaming of, uh, of uh, earning money writing Ruby. Mm -hmm. But the problem was that um, in... Um, In that time, uh, Ruby wasn't uh, wasn't that popular in Bulgaria. Um, I, I assume that uh, you know how it is with Eastern Europe. Uh, most of the companies here are outsourcing, uh, yeah. and the outsourcing companies are not using uh, most of the time uh, modern technology stacks. In Bulgaria back then, uh, most of the work uh, that uh, you could get to do professionally was three languages, uh, PHP, C Sharp, and Java. There was almost nothing, nothing else. The same so, here, yeah. <laughs> so it, I think in all countries was. And the same situation right now. It's mostly popular top outs outsourcing languages right now, I think. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, things do not change uh, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was stuck uh, with Java for uh, for a while and then uh, an interesting opportunity presented itself uh, i was uh, i was hired to be the one of the first programmers in a startup and uh, the, the, there was supposed to be two more programmers besides me but two of them for some reason dropped out uh, before they started work Mm -hmm. And I was the first person uh, and the only person which gave me the opportunity to pick um, to pick the technology stack uh, for the new product of the company because I was the only one who was going to work uh, on this project and uh, I obviously picked Ruby. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so this was uh, the beginning of my professional exposure to Ruby. Uh, we hired uh, three, four more developers in the months to come, but because there were pretty much no Ruby developers in Bulgaria, the people who we hired had different background. One had uh, Perl background, uh, one had uh, C Sharp background, one had Java background, one had PHP background, and I was spending a lot of time uh, during code reviews to explain to them uh, uh, very, very simple uh, things like uh, Ruby idioms, uh, some um, stylistic uh, nuances, uh, and, um, and so on. At some point, uh, I felt that I was losing so much of my time with uh, those trivialities mm -hmm. that I started to work on the Ruby style guide. Uh, it started as a project... Uh, For, uh, for the company, mm -hmm. but uh, because there was nothing, uh, nothing official in the com Ruby community in general, I felt that um, if I got enough uh, feedback uh, and community mind share, um, this could be something useful for uh, all Rubyists. So I, I shared this publicly as a simple markdown file And, uh, and it became uh, hugely popular. Um, so many people were contributing uh, guidelines, ideas. Uh, we had uh, so many great uh, discussions. The style guide uh, grew huge uh, over, uh, over a couple of months. And then we get to uh, how Rubocop was born. 
um, one person opened a ticket uh, on uh, the Ruby Style Guide's uh, issue tracker saying, the Style Guide is great, but there are so many guidelines that nobody can remember all of them. Mm-hmm. It would be so cool if we had a uh, lint tool, which was uh, checking, uh, checking for those uh, guidelines uh, automatically. And uh, I told myself, yeah, that would be that would be really cool. The problem is that uh, at the time I knew nothing about uh, linters, about uh, abstract syntax trees, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and so on. But I was willing to learn. And uh, after spending uh, months thinking about how I should name the linter, eventually I came up uh, with the name Rubocop, which I really liked, uh, and I thought it was. Uh, pretty funny mm-hmm. and uh, I, I got uh, I got to the actual work uh, learned uh, how, how to use uh, Ruby stripper mm-hmm. um, I started uh, on the first checks and the, the rest is history mm-hmm. uh, yeah so, but right now Robocop like one of the popular Ruby projects because if uh, we need Ruby linter it's uh, definitely by default Robocop I, don't, I even don't know if exist another linters for Ruby. Uh, so yeah, but uh, uh, what about your another projects? Because of course you have also several two popular uh, open source projects. I mean, Cedar and Repl, Prelude. Mm-hmm. A- and also, by the way, you had also closure stuff guide. I'm not sure about yeah. Linter. Uh, <laughs> how is it good or not? Because I don't write on closure. Uh, but maybe you can... Uh, Uh, gives some words about this open source. Maybe some uh, listeners will also be interesting about this. Mm, well, Closure is my favorite programming language, um, and uh, I, I love it. Uh, I think I think it's a fantastic fusion of uh, classic Lisp ideas with some uh, Java Java pragmatism and Ruby elegance, and um, you know it's. Uh, It's a very powerful. Uh, it's a very powerful tool. If I didn't love my current company so much, I would definitely be writing closure mm-hmm. somewhere else. Uh, after so many years with Ruby, don't get me wrong. I still love Ruby, but uh, fifth, almost 15 years uh, with uh, with one tool, it starts to get boring after a while. Uh, so. Um, So yeah, I did create a very similar um, style guide for uh, for Closure, mm-hmm. and it is uh, very popular in the Closure community. I didn't get to create a linter based on the style guide because another member of the community created a fantastic uh, a fantastic linter based on the style guide already. Mm-hmm. It is named Kondo. Uh and uh, even before this, uh, there were a couple of uh, code formatting tools that, that were based on the style guide. So uh, it uh, it definitely got uh, plenty of traction in the Clojure community. So I feel quite fortunate that uh, I managed to uh, to be able to hmm, edit. Uh, for, for a style guide, you can never be the creator. You're the editor, the curator, but the, the community is uh, creating the style guide. You're just... Uh, nudging things in the right direction from time to time. Uh, because I wanted to program Enclosure so much, I felt that I had to create uh, the perfect development environment for myself, namely some great plugin for uh, Emacs. And uh, this is how Cider was started. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a very selfish idea to create a tool that uh, I'm going to love and it's going to make me productive. Um, the Common Lisp programming environment Slime was my principal inspiration and uh, in the early days of uh, Cider, I would borrow a lot of code and a lot of ideas uh, from uh, from Slime. I think that Slime is a fantastic tool and to this day, it is uh, it is probably the best programming environment that exists uh, for, for Common Lisp, hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, As uh, as time grew, um, Cider's prominence in the closure community grew as well. 
Um, a lot of uh, plugins were created uh, on uh, on the Emacs side, on the backend side, on the NREPL side. Uh, eventually, the original author of uh, NREPL retired from the project uh, about uh, three years ago, and he handed over the project to me as uh, Cider was the biggest user of NREPL anyways. And... Uh, I was one of the people who were um, already contributing a lot to NREPO and um, um, working on NREPO was, uh, was another very enlightening um, experience for me because mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's a very low level infrastructure uh, tool in the closure community. Almost all of the editors, uh, uh, almost all of the ideas have some level of integration with NREPO which means that uh, you have to be extremely careful uh, with the changes that you're making. Uh, backwards compatibility of, is, of the, is of the paramount importance. Mm-hmm. If you make a bug, you're breaking uh, the, the, the setups of tens of thousands of people, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is not fun. And um, so you're actively... So it's mm-hmm. like making bug in Ruby gems or npm. Like in these cases, all the world uh, breaking in the same time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. Uh, uh, it is something like this uh, because uh, in uh, in the closure world, you do not use the repo uh, um, just to be programming interactively in it, as you would be using IRB or Pry in Ruby. In, uh, in the closure world, um, uh, the, the repo is also the, the server with which uh, um, IDs and editors are communicating. They are sending codes uh, for evaluation. They are receiving results. Uh, the repo server is, pro- is also something like LSP. It is providing uh, code completion, code navigation, uh, It is uh, powering the debugging functionality. It is a very versatile tool. And uh, if it's not working, you you have a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I, um, I really enjoy working on those uh, closure-related projects because they give me an opportunity to, um, to write closure code, which I really enjoy. They write me the opportunity to write uh, Emacs Lisp code, which I really enjoy. And uh, uh, they, they keep me in touch with the fantastic uh, closure community because, you know, I might, I might not uh, get the opportunity to use my tools professionally, but mm-hmm. a lot of people are using them and uh, they are telling me that, that, that they were uh, really valuable and useful to them which uh, definitely may, makes me feel great. Uh, every, every author uh, is feeling very proud when, when they manage to build something useful for others. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, by the way, you're already talking about tools. Uh, our listeners and me already know you use Emacs, but interesting what your developer toolbox, like it's very interesting what exactly a kind of developer like you using uh, all the day. Like what your main toolbox? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's uh, <laughs> that's a question that uh, I can answer uh, um, relatively easily. Until a week ago, I was uh, I was developing on macOS uh, for a very long time, mm-hmm. almost ten years, um, and um, you know on um, on macOS. Uh, Um, I, I loved uh, iTerm. Uh, I was uh, I was using uh, Z Shell even before this. Uh, uh, having a powerful shell is uh, is very very important. Uh, I uh, I use uh, the Silver Searcher typically when I'm um, looking uh, to to find something in the code. Even though I use the Silver Searcher from Emacs. I use a lot of tools from uh, from Emacs because uh, it's uh, such a versatile tool. For instance, I never use uh, Git from uh, from some GUI tool or uh, from uh, the command line. 
Emacs has a fantastic Git plugin called Maget, mm-hmm. and you, you can you can manage um, everything um, everything from from there. So uh, I think uh, I think this is uh, fantastic. Um, in in principle, most of the time I uh, I use Chrome and the Chrome development tools when I'm debugging something um, on the front end. Uh, even though I try to stay as uh, as far from the front end as humanly possible, mm-hmm. um, as uh, as I keep feeling that um, they they didn't get something right and um, we are pushing. HTML and CSS um, way beyond uh, <laughs> what uh, what they were intended um, to be to mm-hmm. be used for. Um, let me let me think if uh, that there is something else. Uh... Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, I mentioned that uh, I used to use macOS until a week ago, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Suddenly, I had a change of heart, uh, and since last Thursday, I'm back on Linux. Uh, oh. After a very long uh, hiatus, I uh, I built some PC components. I assembled a new Ryzen-based computer myself, and I couldn't be happier because... Um, How many my, CPUs? <laughs> I mean. uh, eight cores, 16 threads. Whoa, okay. It's powerful machine. So it's a powerful machine, yes. Uh, okay. So, but why you decided to move to Linux? Because you don't like Apple hardware, or some another, or it co- costly? What's or you just want to try back to Linux? What exactly? You um, it's a combination of uh, factors. Uh, you did mention that uh, Apple hardware is uh, rather expensive, mm-hmm. but uh, when you when you look at the other premium laptops, like what you get from uh, Dell, the XPS series, from uh, Lenovo ThinkPad X1, mm-hmm. they're not exactly cheap either. Um, I think that uh, the fundamental problem with uh, with modern laptops is that um, everybody is trying to make them slimmer, mm-hmm. which is great for the portability, but it uh, affects negatively their thermal characteristics, they overheat quickly, the CPUs uh, get uh, throttled quickly and they're not very performant, Mm -hmm. they start to glue everything, Uh, you cannot replace the battery, you cannot add more memory, you cannot replace anything, Uh, and uh, you you, you get stuck in this uh, vicious cycle. So uh, for homework, I still believe that... uh, or work from an office, I still believe that a powerful desktop computer uh, is untouchable because I built a super powerful desktop uh, for the price of a MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And this uh, speaks volumes to me. Uh, For uh, Apple in particular, I was mostly frustrated, uh, not not with the hardware, but with the direction that uh, they have been taking with the operating system uh, uh, for a while. Uh, macOS used to be this um, super friendly to developers uh, operating system, which at some point was something like uh, Linux uh, with good desktop applications. Mm -hmm. But uh, they have been progressively locking it down adding more and more and more restrictions uh, and uh, they have been trying to fuse macOS uh, with uh, with iOS and this is a direction that uh, I really dislike uh, uh, that they, they broke uh, or removed a, a lot of uh, long-standing APIs that uh, made it harder for developers to develop useful stuff like that they they broke twice in the past five years uh, the keyboard remapping tool that I was using because they kept, kept uh, deprecating and changing some uh, input uh, management uh, APIs. Uh, um, 
that they, they broke uh, several times uh, the package manager Homebrew, which is a third-party application, mm-hmm. by uh, uh, tightening uh, the, the security of the operating system. Uh, they, they, they have been doing some things that uh, I simply... I simply don't uh, agree with uh, much. So I told myself uh, I should uh, see how uh, how, how Linux is progressing and uh, try something fresh for a while. Yeah, so by the way, uh, how do you feel about Linux? Because I also was moved from Linux to macOS and now after this, like, not also very good hardware, from Apple, I also very start thinking about, hmm, maybe I also should make my own machine and install Linux. And even sometimes I'm thinking about Windows because Windows inside have, has Linux mm-hmm. and I also can use Linux there. Uh, but what do you think about Linux itself as a main machine? For the well, uh, I think uh, that this is the best development experience that one can get, uh, hands down. Okay, maybe in FreeBSD, you're going to get more or less the same uh, development experience, but uh, probably in Linux is going to be a touch uh, better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so everything for developers is uh, easiest here. It's easiest to be dealing with native extensions, uh, um, this is the native environment of any Unix tool. Uh, for instance, Emacs works significantly better in uh, in Linux uh, than in macOS because uh, the development team spends a lot of time to polish the GTK version of uh, Emacs, mm-hmm. but they don't give a fuck about uh, the macOS version because macOS is a proprietary operating system and they, they don't care about them um, um, here you you have uh, really powerful uh, powerful tools at your disposal and uh, the operating system is completely under your control mm-hmm. you re- you understand everything provided you spend a little bit of time to uh, to to learn the internals of the operating system that is but Fundamentally, it is simple. It is great for tinkerers. And uh, based on my experience from the past week, uh, it seems that uh, the desktop experience has improved significantly while I was uh, away from uh, uh, Linux. Uh, I was I was surprised to see how well uh, Spotify works uh, on Linux these days, uh, how well Zoom works on, uh, on uh, Linux, uh, Dropbox, uh, and some other proprietary tools. And you even can game on Linux right now. Yeah, I, I installed uh, Steam OS uh, and uh, I bought a couple of games and they, they were working pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a Radeon uh, video card and it has great free drivers, so you don't have to fiddle with anything. You just uh, uh, install the operating system, install uh, Steam, and, uh, um, and you are in business. Obviously, the Steam catalog for uh, Linux is uh, rather short compared to the Windows one, mm-hmm. but uh, the, 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 there are definitely some famous games that are available for, uh, for Linux, and they seem to be working uh, reasonably well. Okay. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not as polished uh, as, uh, as Mac OS uh, or Windows as a desktop, but it uh, it covers my needs uh, pretty well. I've managed to find uh, good replacements uh, for, for tools that I really liked in uh, macOS. For instance, uh, I used to be using uh, the Alfred application for finding stuff, running stuff. And uh, for Linux these days, there is something very similar named uh, Albert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Um, I told you I loved iTerm, mm-hmm. and uh, for Linux we have uh, Quake, we have uh, Tilda, yeah. which are some uh, some really great uh, tools. I, uh, I use Terminator and also Yakwake. Yakwake it's like in mm-hmm. Quake terminal from top to bottom, like on. Yeah, hotkey. no, no, it is <laughs> yeah. exactly the same as Quake, but uh, Yakwake <laughs> is using uh, Qt. Yeah, and Quake uh, use Gnome. 
Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. I, I, I never liked uh, KD for some reason. I've always been a GNOME, uh, GNOME user. Mm-hmm. Before macOS, I used uh, I used Linux for a very long time, and I was us- always using GNOME. And mm-hmm. uh, now I'm I'm back to GNOME again. Okay. Cool. Interesting experience. Uh, by the way, about experience, uh, just interesting question. As I know, you're working in company like remote, like mm-hmm. your, your company remote first. And very interesting situation, how your uh, work environment or even something else changed due to COVID-19? Like what's happened or maybe nothing changed. You're like, oh, I'm in the same way. Like my life ch- lifestyle current, uh, right now, I know code quarantine. <laughs> or, Yeah, well, uh, it didn't change much. Uh, <laughs> our company is uh, completely remote. Uh, we have no offices uh, anywhere. So my work was exactly the same. Um, with uh, with one difference, I used to travel uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and now I obviously am not doing uh, any any traveling. Uh, so so th- this was the biggest change. But uh, it's also how I finally found time to uh, pick a new PC <laughs> with, <laughs> with all of my travels before. Uh, um, this, uh, this was kind of hard to organize. Uh, so I guess I was lucky because uh, I saw uh, how many people struggled with the transition to remote yeah. and how many companies uh, were negatively impacted and had to lay off uh, a lot of employees, but so far so good in our company. Okay. Okay. Good that n- nothing changed to you, at least for some, like, because as you said, n- not everyone was prepared for this, like how we will do this uh, about processes also, because now some companies, even if they decided move to remote, they don't know how to build remote processes. Oh, I mean, the standups and everything else. Uh, by the way, how do you share knowledge in like remote first company in your company? Do you have some like meetups, conferences, uh, calls, or, or maybe you share some documents? How do you do this? So we 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 are doing uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things in this uh, direction. Uh, um, We, we are a remote company, but we are communicating all the time. We are constantly communicating in Slack and in mm-hmm. Zoom, mm-hmm. the primary communication channels uh, in the company. We have a huge uh, company wiki where we are documenting uh, ideas, best practices, where we are tracking projects. Uh, uh, we have uh, constantly off-sites with our teams when we are meet- where we are meeting uh, In the real world, uh, uh, we have a conference policy where the company is um, subsidizing people to attend events, and often we travel together uh, uh, for for some conference. Uh, and uh, when, when you have uh, colleagues all over the world, uh, when uh, when you are traveling, uh, uh, there's always the opportunity to pick up the phone and, uh, hey, are you in town? Do you want us uh, to meet, uh, catch up, drink, drink some beers? Uh, um, you, you mentioned you are based in Kiev, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, uh, I spoke uh, three times at conferences uh, in Kiev, uh, one, in, uh, one time in Lviv, Uh, by the way, my wife is from Kiev. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. you, like uh, you meet your uh, wife on conference or it's happened? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah, so, uh, Ukraine spe- has a special, uh, special place in my heart. Uh, and I even understand uh, Ukrainian uh, reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Especially all of the bad words, uh, because as you know, Ukrainian women are a little bit feisty. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. okay. Although you can edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. Uh, so, okay. Uh, what's, uh, for example, right now, I think uh, COVID maybe for some people give more time. I'm not sure about your time, maybe it's the same. But what's your idea where we'll move your current project or maybe you have idea about new project and you maybe even 
uh, want to provide this idea and collect some contributors to this idea. You can do this here. <laughs> so uh, right now, my biggest goals are uh, to um, to get to version uh, 1.0 for my three biggest projects: uh, Rubocop, Cider, and uh, and Repo. Mm-hmm. And uh, almost all of my attention is uh, is focused uh, on those three projects. Uh, that's the reason why the others aren't getting as much love as uh, as they deserve. Uh, I'm extremely close to the release of Rubocop uh, 1.0. It can happen any day now. We have uh, something like uh, five, six uh, in- important tickets that uh, we have to tackle. Uh, and uh, I hope that July is going to finally be the month of this release. Uh, I know that I have been saying several times uh, We are shipping it in May, in June, and uh, uh, we keep postponing it. But uh, lately, there has been an influx of uh, great ideas and great contributions. And I felt that we could wait uh, a little bit more uh, to to have uh, the most powerful uh, possible 1.0 release. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's uh, one big thing. with Cider and NREPO, that there is more work remaining. But I do hope that by the end of the year, uh, we are going to get to a, a 1.0 release. Uh, the, there, the biggest problem is that uh, unlike, uh, unlike Ruby, there aren't that many external contributors besides mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, is, it is pretty overwhelming. Uh, when so many things uh, depend on a single person. So uh, if uh, if somebody wants to play more with uh, with Emax and Clojure, um, I have uh, I have plenty of uh, fun tasks uh, for uh, for the people interested in helping out. Okay. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's my focus. Uh, I. Uh, I have ideas for uh, for many other projects, uh, but uh, I'm I'm a realist. Uh, I know that I'm not starting uh, anything big anytime soon because even now I'm barely keeping up uh, with uh, with the existing projects, and uh, a, a few more are are going to completely kill my my insufficient free time. Let's put it like this. Okay, so people, if you like closure or uh, like uh, or editor, um, I forgot how to call this editor. Uh, Emax. Emax, yeah, sorry, because uh, I very often, yeah, don't treat me by I often use Vim, not Emax. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, if you like uh, them both or separately, you can join and help uh, Bojadar with. Cedar and and Repo. Uh, okay, but uh, what do you think about the future of the community, especially Ruby community? Um, maybe also closure, but if you uh, thinking how it will evolve, what will happen, what maybe should changed in people or in language, so we will progress and not like degrade or even even die in some day. Mm. Oh, I definitely don't think that uh, the Ruby community is uh, is about to die. Uh, yeah, um, it it seems that it's not growing, uh, and uh, that, that that's certainly alarming. But uh, then again, there is uh, a huge investment in Ruby made by so many companies uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Ruby is definitely not going. Uh, away anytime soon my company alone has millions of lines of ruby code and we're definitely not uh, rewriting them in uh, elixir or closure mm-hmm. <laughs> anytime soon uh, because this doesn't make uh, any sense uh, for our business ruby gets the job done we are happy with it uh, Uh, and uh, it, it is going to continue to support our business uh, for the foreseeable future. And uh, the, the same goes for much bigger companies like, say, Shopify. 
Um, so I, I, I think uh, I think the biggest problem that uh, Ruby is facing right now is its identity crisis because the language hasn't really changed much. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when I say change much, I mean it hasn't evolved. Uh, I um, I can't think of that many interesting uh, improvements to the language that happened in the past ten years, and uh, and that's definitely uh, alarming. Uh, that there were many small tweaks here and there, but. Uh, the majority of them were highly controversial in the community. Like refinements were supposed to be a big feature, yeah. but uh, no, ten years after it, nobody yeah. used. I think this nowadays almost nobody. I've never, I've never seen uh, production code using refinements. Mm-hmm. I uh, have a couple of friends who claim that they're using refinements, but uh, it uh, it didn't take off. Uh, um, and uh, you, you might remember what happened in the previous uh, release of Ruby in 2.7, how several very controversial features were introduced uh, during uh, during the development cycle and were rolled back uh, mm-hmm. right before the release because people hated them and that they felt uh, those features were just adding uh, unnecessary complexity to the language. Uh, Right now in 2.8, uh, again, there is uh, quite a lot of controversy around uh, the endless method definitions, mm-hmm. which uh, I personally dislike because, again, we are adding uh, more complexity and some cognitive overhead uh, to solve to solve some tiny problem. Uh, Mats uh, mentioned something interesting uh, a while ago that... Um, he felt that uh, the recent additions were made without a clear direction as mm-hmm. to where we're heading. And he said that he was going to take more time to, to think about this. That's why I was a little bit disappointed that after his statement, uh, he did accept uh, those endless definitions, which seem to be in the in this type of uh, random, uh, random feature. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I would love to see some clear direction. Uh, I, I think this is uh, what's uh, what's missing. Uh, uh, there is a lot of talk about how uh, Ruby three is going to be three times faster. Uh, uh, there is a lot of talk about uh, the new guilds framework for concurrency, but uh, based on my observations uh, on the field. I don't, I don't really think uh, that those are the biggest problems for everybody. Yeah, everybody would love uh, more performance, but uh, I don't think that even the Ruby core team is clear on how they can squeeze more performance out of Ruby right now. I, I don't think that many people are itching for uh, uh, the, the concurrency framework, but I might be, I might be mistaken. Um, but uh, I do believe that we can certainly do more uh, by introducing some features that uh, are going to help with uh, the maintenance of big uh, code bases, like better support for uh, uh, so some static typing, type hinting, whatever. It mm-hmm. seems that there's going to be some of this in uh, Ruby 3.0, which is great. And um, I'm hoping that the solution is going to mature by then. It, it, it would be nice if, uh, if, if we had uh, more powerful data structures uh, uh, as part of Ruby, like uh, some persistent immutable data structures uh, with structural sharing uh, and, uh, and so on. Uh, I do think that if you have the right data structures, uh, writing concurrent applications uh, um, becomes significantly significantly easier. I do think that uh, uh, it would be nice if uh, the MRI VM is overhauled and simplified uh, some competing projects like Rubinias had great ideas in the past. Uh, 
and um, something like this can can really uh, be, be the future of Ruby. So, but, oh, but I think uh, uh, Matt's also scaring, not scaring, but thinking always about compatibility because uh, looks like they don't want to repeat what did Python, like release this uh, third version, and right now everybody have two Pythons. Uh, second version and third version and even right now um, community stopped supporting uh, second version of the Python there are still many libraries which didn't migrate to third and like it's two separate version and sometimes it's frustrating like you try to install some stuff and it says sorry but works only in Python 2 and you're like oh my god I, I need to like switch to Python and check that it works Uh, and that's why maybe they don't add these like maybe cool features because they scary to add it so quick to break something. For example, even right, right now they change uh, this uh, uh, default uh, uh, this er uh, how it's called um, argument in 2.7. They change default mm -hmm. how this works, and many projects still cannot migrate to from 2.6 to 2.7. Because uh, not like many errors, but too many warnings from the project. Because, for example, your big project has too many dependencies. And even I hear Mats want to also revert these changes to, like, to next Ruby. Because many people frustrated about all these warnings. And, like, not all libraries will migrate or change this behavior. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's definitely true. Mats is careful about... Uh, backwards compatibility as it should be but uh, I do think that uh, many improvements can be made in an, uh, a creative manner and uh, replacing the VM for mm -hmm. instance wouldn't be a breaking change uh, if it is done uh, the right way mm -hmm. uh, already th this was done once uh, uh, when uh, the original interpreter was uh, replaced by YARF uh, in um, in 1.9. Yeah, I remember if this. I, if I recall correctly, so clearly it is doable. Yes, uh, you have to be very careful, uh, but uh, it, it is not impossible. Experience has, uh, has told us that uh, it is quite possible and uh, you know, much bigger communities uh, are making uh, significant changes to the VM internals. <laughs> Um, on the language side, um, yeah, you have to be more careful uh, uh, that there are always some people who are going to be unhappy with changes uh, and uh, uh, there are always some libraries that are not going to be updated. But uh, I do think that uh, you have to make some hard choices at some point. Mm -hmm. Because uh, if you are uh, stuck, uh, stuck in the past, uh, if uh, you are chained to the legacy, eventually this is going to uh, crush uh, the project. Uh, they changed the argument handling because this was uh, introducing a ton of complexity to MRI and... Uh, they understandably wanted to get rid of it uh, at some point. And I personally was uh, disappointed by the decision to um, revert the, the, the new way of, of handling uh, the arguments. Uh, mm -hmm. Similarly with, uh, what was it, flip-flop, uh, the, the flip-flop operator. Yeah. It was deprecated, then it was undeprecated, <laughs> uh, similar with uh, uh, the frozen string literals. Uh, they were supposed to be the default in 3.0. Then uh, the, the, this, this idea was uh, abandoned. Uh, yeah, you know, backwards compatibility is uh, super important, but with a good transitional path, uh, With a clear strategy, I think that uh, none of those changes uh, would have been particularly painful. De de definitely, none of them is uh, 
are close to the level of changes that Python 3 had in comparison to uh, to, to, to Python 2. But ultimately, this is uh, Mats's project and his decisions. Mm-hmm. I can just share my perspective, but uh, I wouldn't uh, venture to, uh, to to teach him how, how, how to run his project. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, looks like that's all question from me. So thank you for your time and maybe you have some wishes or words to listeners of this podcast. Mostly they are Ruby and maybe some JavaScript developers. So so you know uh, who you're talking about, whom you talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, what can I say? Uh, stay strong. Uh, <laughs> the, the Ruby community is not uh, going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think the great people like our listeners uh, are part of the reason why uh, why Ruby became so popular in the first place. And uh, they are certainly the number one reason why I enjoyed uh, being a member of the Ruby community for so many years. Some of the greatest people I know are uh, are there. Um, unfortunately, I do not... Uh, I don't do a lot of front-end work, so I cannot <laughs> say uh, much to the other part of our listeners, uh, the JavaScript developers. Mm-hmm. I can say that uh, I'm very happy for them that uh, they do not have to deal with the craziness of uh, the old versions of uh, JavaScript before ES6. It seems that uh, JavaScript really grew up mm-hmm. in uh, past years, I can heartily recommend uh, to them to check out ClojureScript if they want uh, the ultimate JavaScript experience. If they enjoy TypeScript, I'm certain that they're going to love ClojureScript because it's a, it's a really, really cool language uh, for JavaScript developers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so thank you for your time. Thank you for the interview. And Uh, I think uh, have a good uh, luck and release uh, successful release of your all three projects. So Rubocops, Cedar and uh, and Repo. Thank you very much. The pleasure was so mine. Okay. okay, thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Take care.